Welcome to Christmas Eve. This is our third Christmas Eve together as a newer church. This is our second one inside. Last Christmas Eve, we were out, out of doors. We were out there in the patio, so we have one up last year already. So welcome to each of you. My name is Jonathan. I get to serve as a pastor of Trinity. I'm going to be doing our third reading of the night and then taking you through a short teaching through that text, and then we'll conclude with two songs together, and you'll be on your way. So let me read from Luke 2, 25 through 38. <clears throat> Luke 2, 25 begins like this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What an amazing promise. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word. For us tonight, Luke 2. This is a beautiful text. You may be unfamiliar with some of these new characters. We're introduced to a man by the name of Simeon, a woman by the name of Anna. They are waiting, each of them in their own way, waiting for the same thing. How many of you are waiting tonight? How many of you are waiting for this preacher to get off stage so you can go home and have some food? How many of you are waiting? Uh, my children, my own children are raising their hands in the back. Um, <clears throat> I don't blame you. My dad was a preacher too. I know what Christmas Eve is like. You were ready to go. I was always ready to go. But you got a few minutes with me. So Simeon and Anna, they're waiting for something to arrive. In their own way, they're waiting for the same thing. Simeon is introduced to us, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means he's essentially waiting for something to bring comfort, something or someone who's going to show up in their moment, in their history, because of course they have the thumb of Roman oppression on them, and they are looking for the consolation of Israel, which means he knows the promises of God, he knows that God is faithful and good, but he's been waiting a long time, and so have his people. And then Anna we're introduced to as a prophetess. She's somebody who's amazingly devout. She's given her heart and her life because she doesn't have a family. She spends all of her time in the temple, and she's praying, she's worshiping, she's singing, she's fasting. She's in touch with the pain of her people. See, and Christmas brings us into contact with both of those things, this beautiful longing for comfort. Some of you look great tonight. Some of you need some work. Some of you got ugly sweaters on. Some of you didn't know it was an ugly sweater. Right? You have this beautiful thing going on called Christmas Eve, but then you have longings. You have things going on in your heart. 
I was following somebody on Instagram this week, and they said, list two words that describe your experience right now as it relates to Christmas. And one of those words was generally like merry and happy and peaceful, and the other one was distressed, languishing, difficulty. That's the collision course of Christmas, and that may be the collision course of your moment right now. Could be the collision of going home after Christmas Eve service because there's tension in families. So we have all of this joy being announced globally, but then you have the personal angst going on in your own life. And the two things I'll take you through from this text have to do with that. Number one, we're going to look at the, the tension of Christmas. And then number two, we're going to look at the guarantee of Christmas. All right, so the tension of Christmas and the guarantee of Christmas. As I mentioned a moment, ago, a moment ago, we don't know a lot about Anna and Simeon. Anna is a prophetess. Simeon is a devout older man, and he's been given this incredible promise. Can you imagine somebody saying to you, you will not die until you get to hold the Messiah in your hands, until you meet him and greet him? You're not going to die, Simeon, until you see the Lord's Messiah. And so he's been anticipating. He's been waiting. The Holy Spirit's been nudging him here and there, and so probably he goes to the temple and he wonders, man, is it that guy? He's good looking. Is it this person over here? This person seems like they've got a lot of stature, a great background. I bet he never would have imagined that it would have been a baby, that the Holy Spirit would have nudged him towards to say, he's arrived, right? The Savior is here. And finally, as the Holy Spirit is working in this man's life, he gets the sense to move closer to Mary and Joseph and then a little bit closer to this little baby. And then he takes that baby in his arms, the fulfillment of this lifelong wait that before he dies, he's going to meet the Messiah. And he takes this little baby in his arms and the Holy Spirit in some way is affirming in his life and his heart, that's the one you've been waiting for. And he holds this little baby, and then in verse 29, this is what he says, very famous verses. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, something that is often read at a funeral. But it's actually in the context, it's from this context of Christmas, the arrival of Jesus. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, meaning it's not being narrowed to a small group of people. The news is for all of us, 2,000 years later, a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I love the text, the note that Luke gives us. It says that Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said because you know that they are swirling with emotion. They're confused. They had an angel show up in their living room nine months before. They took his word. They end up leaving home. They got to travel to Bethlehem. They have a baby, as Jeff mentioned. Nobody's around to help them. No room for them in the inn. They're wondering, is all of this true? And then they encounter two strangers. They have never met Simeon. They've never heard the name of Anna. And they step into their world, and they speak these beautiful words of truth. We've been waiting for your baby. But then I love this part. And this is where the tension of Christmas comes in. It says that Simeon addressed the mother. He addresses Mary. Look at verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. See, not only does Christmas bring joy and happiness and peace on earth, but it also carries with it a message of tension. 
Simeon says that people will oppose Mary's baby as their hearts are exposed and that he is appointed for the fall and then the rising of many. How come? What a unique announcement upon a little eight-day-old life. How come? See, it's because Christmas shatters the illusion that you are at the center of reality. That's the tension of Christmas. Where do we see that? Of course, we see it in who this baby actually is. There were angels who showed up a couple of verses earlier who were announcing, this is Christ the Lord. And then Simeon essentially says the exact same thing when he says, my eyes have seen salvation and a light of revelation to the Gentiles. How many of you like to dream? I'm a pretty vivid dreamer. I think my daughter's a pretty vivid dreamer. She wakes up and we swap dream stories. She's telling me some crazy things. I've got crazier ones. I can one-up pretty much anybody. But pretend you're in a dream that's amazingly wonderful, beautiful. It's maybe better than your real life in that moment. And usually I can fly. I'm just going to be honest. I don't care. It's always been I could fly. Like I'm flying somewhere. I don't have an airplane. It's just me. I'm just flying. I'm soaring. And then something wakes me up. When you get jarred out of that, beautiful space, that bubble that you're dreaming in, how do you feel? Your alarm goes off, somebody's waking you up. Generally, you don't go, thank you so much for waking me from this beautiful reality. You start to get a little grumpy. You start to get a little frustrated. You potentially get a little bit angry. See, Jesus, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, says to you and the rest of the world that you're not in charge. You are not at the center You are not in control. I am. And this is why not everybody celebrates the arrival of Jesus. Let me give you a case in point. He's a king. His name is Herod. We read about him in Matthew chapter 2. Here's what we read about this king. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why was he disturbed? Because he's supposed to be the king. And somebody comes and announces that a king has been born, which this man, he's obviously pretty intelligent. He puts the two and two together. He goes, well, if the king has been born and I'm supposed to be the king of the Jews, then obviously I'm not the king of the Jews anymore. And that's the tension of Christmas is there's this beautiful baby that arrives, but he says, if you really look at who I really am, it's going to dethrone you. It's going to change everything about your reality. You are no longer at the center of all things because if he really is who the Bible says he is, who Christianity says he is, then you have to live in light of him. You can't be at the center of all things. All the cultural narratives around us right now tell you to live for yourself, make yourself happy. Every commercial, every movie, everything is about personal satisfaction. But then this king creeps in and goes, actually, it's not about your satisfaction. It's about my satisfaction. And some people are going to celebrate that. And other people are going to say, I want nothing to do with the king at the center of Christianity. And maybe that's just subtle for you. Maybe that's not an overt message. Maybe you just say, I've been turned off by the church. I've been turned off by Christians. I don't want to have anything to do with this person at the center. Can I implore you? to go take a look at who he really is. Because his kingship, clearly, Simeon says, he is destined for what? The fall and the rising of many. 
And what that means is it's a continuum, that when you bump into him, when his kingship comes home in your life, there's a falling that takes place. You're dethroned, you're not at the center, but he's gracious and he's kind and he's good. And what he says is you will rise again. See, there's life in not being at the center. And this is what Christmas says. And of course, there's tension in that because so many of us want to be at the center. But when Jesus creeps in, when he arrives, we have to wrestle with who he really was. Our rise and our fall, because he's so good, is always for our good. Tension of Christmas. Let me take you quickly to the second part, which is the guarantee. Paul Tripp says this. If God was willing to send his son to restore our relationship of love with him, you can be sure that he will not let anything separate us from his love. The Christmas story is the world's best love story. It's about a God of love sending the son of his love to live a life of love and die a death of love so that all who believe in him will be welcomed into the arms of his love forever and ever. The fulfilled promise of Jesus' birth guarantees that God will, in his perfect timing and in his wise way, fulfill every other promise he has ever made. Maybe you don't know much about Christianity. Maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you're turned off by Christianity. The reality is God makes a lot of promises. Those promises are found in a very big book. That book is not a, a, a way of life. It is not simply rules of do's and don'ts. The, the Christian scriptures are a narrative of love. God so loved the world, they didn't send a prophet, he didn't send a priest, he didn't send a king, he sent a son. And see, when they held that son, they knew that they had been waiting for a long time for these promises because God's got a big book and they're full of promises. They had been waiting since the very beginning for the promises to be fulfilled. When is God going to come and fix all of this? Fix me. Fix what's broken. Fix our world. He's promised he would. We've been waiting thousands of years. But in that moment, they saw that God made good on his promise. He didn't just send a redeemer. He sent a redeemer's son. He sent a God who became a man. And when they held him, they knew this is the guarantee. No doubt they waited longer than they had hoped, longer than they expected. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've been waiting. What are you looking for? What are you longing for? What are you waiting for? Potentially in Christmas is exactly what you've been looking for. Promises to be fulfilled but a real-life narrative of waiting and longing and hoping and saying, when's God going to show up? When they held that baby, they knew all of it was true. And see, and Jesus is the guarantee. Jesus is the affirmation because it really happened. We're not up here celebrating make-believe. We're celebrating something that happened in human history 2,000-ish years ago. God became a man, and he is the guarantee that everything that was promised will actually come true. This is the beauty of Christmas. Romans 8, 31 and 32 say, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, that's the guarantee that a son has been given, and what logical sense would it make for, for God the Father to send the son to say, I've given you my son to redeem your life, to forgive your sin. I'm not giving up on you now. The promises will be fulfilled. The tension is in the moment. The tension is real. Some of you are going to wait for a long time for that healing to come. 
But the reality is Jesus is real. He's come to our planet, and we celebrate him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your arrival on our planet. Some of us resonate a little bit more with the tension of Christmas, and some of us resonate a little bit more with the guarantee. But I pray that we would see Jesus clearly tonight. Peace on earth is easy to sing about. It's not easy to talk about a a sword piercing through the soul. But that's what Jesus does. He comes in and says, there will be tension until you release, until you let go, until you let me be the ruler, the Lord, and the king. Where there are things in our lives where a sword, in fact, actually needs to pierce because we've been holding on to illusions of being great, being powerful, being in charge, being at the center. How ironic that a little baby who's being held by an older man is the creator and the sustainer of all things. The one who held the universe and created the stars was being held by something that he made. We honestly can't fathom that sort of experience, that sort of humility that it would take for the God of all things to become a baby. But we pray we'd see again, feel again, sing again because of him. I pray that the tension would give way to peace as we relinquish and let go and find fulfillment in Jesus. Money's not going to do it. Popularity's not going to do it. Relationship's not going to do it because they're human. We need something bigger. We need something divine. So we pray that the truth of this text would come home in our hearts tonight as we sing and as we celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.